Victoria Wolfe has been working in graphic design for nearly 30 years. She is a specialist in book publishing, content creation and art. This episode, Victoria shares her journey of leaving everything behind to go live in an RV with her husband, the challenges and rewards of RV living, and what it looks like to run a business full-time whilst living on the road. I was in college. I was a little bit of a late um, arriver at college. I think I was 22 or 23. I was in college at that time. And I was planning on going to law school, actually. I was going to be an attorney. I was going to be a politician. I was going to change the world. Um, I was on my way to do that. And then it looked like um, I was married at the time, and it just wasn't going to work out that I was going to get to go to law school. So um, I was working on the under, we had an undergraduate law, under, undergraduate law journal. And I was the editor, and I was responsible for getting it laid out and printed. And this was the early '90s, and just when um, graphic design was getting to the computer, you know, to the computer, it was all you know manual before that. And so I fell in love with the process. I thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. And I'm like, oh my god, I I can't go to law school, or I'm not going to be able to. I'm going to do this. And so somehow I convinced my husband to spend at the time, it was like nearly $3,000 in the early 90s to buy this big computer. Um, it it was so slow. Oh my God, I look back now, it was just crazy. And I got the programs and I started to teach myself graphic design and boom, a business was started. And here I am nearly 32 years later. <laughs> so cool. Was, I mean, you're yeah. starting out in, in the early ages of the internet. So I'm assuming it's not like now where I can go on LinkedIn and find potential clients. You know, what, where were you finding people to do work for way back when on your old rusty computer? I know that 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 it was it was a challenge, but um, when I had to get the under the law journal printed, I had to work with a printer, and that's how I got um, involved in the whole. It was called desktop publishing back then in the early '90s, and um, and so he was saying how you know his business was changing, so I was gonna getting and his his designer or desktop publisher quit around the time that I started, so I got all his work because he was going from a manual process to a computer process. And so then I started hitting up all the printers in the area. I was in Florida at the time in the Saint, in the Tampa Bay area. And, and one by one, I got work and work and work. And then um, a few years later, we moved out to Denver. And so I stopped working for printers and went out and found um, retail clients. And that's when the internet was getting, you know, even more, that was 95, you know, we had email, we had, you know, all those things. And so I was just, you know, just built my client base one by one and um, just went from there and taught myself everything as I went along. Somebody would say, hey, can you do this? And I'm like, I don't know how, but I'll figure it out. And so I just kept learning and learning and learning. And at one point in the business, we were actually full on printers as well as designers, which was not my favorite period of, of the time but um yeah so we we were heavily into the print and design and um for about the last 15 years or so just i still handle printing for clients but i don't actually do it but we actually had printing presses and everything um but the graphic design is always what i love more than you know the production process uh, and what kind of things were you graphic designing because i know graphic design is a, a weird and wonderful world you could be doing wallpapers you could be doing gift cards you could be doing flyers you know a whole brand campaign so i'm just wondering what what was your area of expertise what was your thing that you found yourself doing well all of the above it was mostly everything a small business could need i, I did quite a few logos which was one of my favorite things to do brochures flyers um, everything gift cards just about anything a business would need to put their name on 
And um, for a time, for about five or six years, I specialized on work, specialized in working with franchises um, because they they had tons of franchisees that needed marketing materials. They needed a way to get them to them. And so I designed the marketing materials and then I sold them to the franchisees. And I actually still have one of those clients today and I've been working with them for 23 years. Um, wow. And then in, in 2015, I had um, a colleague I was working with, um, knew her from business networking, and she's like, hey, Victoria, have you ever designed a book cover? And I'm like, no, that sounds very intriguing. She's like, hey, you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah. And so I did my first book cover and I was hooked. I was like, oh my God, I wish I was doing this my entire career instead of all the other things I was doing. So since uh, 2015, 2016, I'm pretty much, except for my one client I mentioned, um, exclusively um, do work with authors and, and do, I do book covers, interiors, eBooks, uh, author websites, everything an author could need. And um, I, I, fell, I fell back in love with graphic design when I discovered books, because I was getting a little burned out back in the, the mid-teens, and I was, I was looking for something new. So I'm so excited to be a book cover designer now. And what was it that was kind of like burning you out over that time? Was it just like you were tired of the type of work you were doing, or was it just you had too much work to do and not enough kind of time type thing? Well, kind of both. I'm always too busy. That's one thing. I've, I've never had a problem being busy. Um, I think it was the type of work. It was, you know, you know, just business communications. I was doing a lot of websites um, and it just I'd done everything over and over. I, I don't feel like I was challenging myself creatively. If I it was really probably more of a creative rut than anything. And with book covers and book interiors, every single time I do a cover, I'm challenged because they're all different. There's nothing similar. I mean, there's some similarities, but for the most part, there isn't. And so, so every, every day I feel, you know, like I got to get my, my, my creative juices flowing. And, and I really like that. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing about being like a, a full-time creative, right? Is that realistically you're, you're hoping to get a paycheck all the time. You're hoping to make money, but realistically you still want to scratch that creative itch and you find a lot of people that work in the creative industries, let's say they're a film editor or, you know, they're a sound editor or even, you know, like a graphic designer, they find themselves kind of trapped in like a weird corporate bubble where they're not really getting to like, you know, flex their kind of creative muscles. It's more like someone comes, they tell you how they want it, you do it how they want it, and then you go away and you go, oh gosh, I didn't enjoy that at all. It didn't look how I wanted it to. I didn't get to put any input in. You know, it's not work that I'm proud of per se. And I'm wondering for you, You've run a business now for you know thirty something years, which is you know arguably a successful business. Most businesses fail. How have you managed to keep yourself going for that long? And you know, obviously, where you're at now, you're in a more creative flow. But how do you even push through those times where you know things weren't really meeting your expectations on the creative front? I, I, it's all about the client for me. It's it's I, I don't take my responsibility very lightly. I take, I mean, a client is especially now with authors. They they are you know, counting on me to create something amazing for them. And that, that usually is what, what keeps me going. And just that process, I think reconnecting with my creative process through book covers, um, it energizes me. So I, I could be, you know, very, very tired or maybe not in a good mood or not having a great day. And then once I get into that, that core design place, I'm, I'm in this place where nothing else happens I you know my husband will say something to me and I'm, I'm totally focused I don't even hear him and there's so much joy in that place and I think that that's what I keep you know going back to and and that's what fuels me but I have a I have a very strong um uh desire to always be busy always creating 
and always accomplishing things on a daily basis. And so I think that's kept me going. I, I will say to be an entrepreneur like I am, um, you've got to have some serious motivation, internal motivation. You you can't be a slacker or even dream of being a slacker. And I, it's just part of who I am personality wise. I'm, I'm just always motivated to do to do more. And, you know, it's kind of the I won't say it's a carrot that, that's hanging out there waiting for the client to say, I love it. But, there, you know, there is something about that, too, um, for that, that to get that applause and, and appreciation. But I really do it for the creativity, I think, at, at its core. Yeah. I mean, that's the good thing that you mentioned about that carrot kind of dangling in front of you, because I wanted to ask something that, you know, every business owner has come across before, you know, times where, say, sales or clients are kind of looking low. How did you kind of bounce back from that? What did you do to kind of get out of that rut? And if you haven't had that kind of time, then you're one of the lucky few. But I'm sure you might have had a time like that. When when sales was low, did you yeah, say? Sales or? was low. Clients were coming out, like, like leaving the business or whatever else. You know, everybody. You've been through, by my books, at least two financial downturns. You've been through COVID as yeah. well. You know, you've made it through all of that somehow. Three, yeah, two or three recessions and downturns. And um, I, I I pivoted. I I found. I do have a, a bit of a, a way of knowing what's going on in my industry or where things are heading. Like a good example is um, at the end of the aughts, which always sounds funny to say, as we were rolling it around 2010, 2011, um, WordPress on the on the web design side was really starting to come on. And I just, I had this feeling that I had to learn WordPress. I was doing HTML sites before that and I had to learn it and that's where the future was. And then in 20, was it 20? 10, 2012, we had that recession. And so because I pivoted and really dug into WordPress and, and didn't bother, I was really just marketing for, for websites at that point, because that's what people were wanting. And so it allowed me to, to make it through that. I actually, every, every recession that I've gone, that the business has gone through, I've, I've, I've expanded my business rather than it, it contract. And then COVID was, um, COVID was amazing. I really expanded the business during COVID because everybody was writing books. I mean, it's not like something I did. Everybody was writing books and, mm. you know, so there was a lot of work out there. They still are writing books. And, um, but yeah, you, you gotta be able to pivot what worked today may not work tomorrow. And so you, you just gotta be able to move, be very nimble. I would say, I mean, design is always design, but, um, I kind of I made it through the Canva years. <laughs> I'm gonna call it. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, I could just go use Canva." Um, I think it depends what you're doing. If you were doing a lot of social media design when Canva really started to get popular, you probably saw a downturn in in your business, and that that's that would be hard to to fight against. But at that point, is you you would go to the high end because there's always people out there that want you know that want a human to design their stuff, not do it themselves. And um, as we enter into the AI world here, probably in the next 10 years, it's going to be possibly another pivot or, you know, remarketing myself as, you know, the expert that I am rather than just someone who can do a cover. And so I think you just have to, you have to take a good assessment of the landscape and see what you can do to, you know, to bob and weave. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the, the ease of tools and things like AI, because, you know, these tools are good and, you know, AI is good. But the people that are great and that are experts, they're always going to be able to find work. And I had a guest last week and she was saying basically the same thing that, you know, why would I sit down and start fiddling around with a, you know, Squarespace 
template or, you know, fiddling around with whatever graphic design things I could do on Canva when I can hire somebody who's going to listen to my instructions, give me their advice and make the best thing possible. Yeah, I'm going to have to pay this person top dollar, but for that, I'm going to get a top end result and save myself time. So I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned something like that. And as well as that, you said that about being nimble. And this kind of brings me on to, I guess, where you're at now, quite literally, you know, obviously this is a podcast, they can't see you, but I can see that you live in an RV. And so the idea of being nimble and moving around, I'm wondering, you know, I mean, first things first, what is it like to run a business from an RV? I can't imagine there's, you know, space for an office, a bedroom, a front room, like there's, you know, multifunctional spaces in there, surely. Oh, well, well, our RV is not a small RV. It's 43 feet. It's a fifth wheel. So what you're seeing behind me um, is um, one of the couches and a slide. And so I am in the same size slide on, on the other side, and I have a full desk. And my desk is literally the same size it was in our house. So right. for me, n- nothing has changed. It is no different than we, we were in about a 2,400 square foot house before we sold everything and went on the road last year. Um, but my actual work day is not different at all. Um, I have the same monitor. I just have everything. Um, and you know, we have a kitchen and we have a living room and a bedroom and a bathroom. So it's, it's, it's like a small apartment. And we're not really cramped for space. We, we actually very much like it. And you do have to be nimble in this lifestyle because you never know what's going to go wrong or be pushed, you know, put in front of you that you might have to go here instead of there or something breaks down. Like we had a fan blade break on our air conditioner over the weekend and they're telling us it's six weeks until we can get the part. And it's like, okay, well, what do we do when it starts getting hot and we need that air conditioner in our bedroom? So we had to come up with a plan, which I think we have a plan. But, yeah, you got to be nimble for that. But I, I love being in an RV. And the main difference is in the house every day after I was done at work, if we went to go sit out on the porch, we were in this nice courtyard. It was quite nice. Um, that view never, ever changed. It was always <laughs> the same view. I mean, it might be the winter view or the summer view. But now every time we, we move, which is about once a month or so, we just look outside and we have a different view and different people and different weather. And it's, it's really kind of cool. Mm. And what's it like to run a business, you know, on the road per se? Like, what does that look like? You know, let's say for you, you want to upload something to the internet or you want to download something on the, you know, because you're fully remote. Does that work really well on the road or is it something that you have to kind of consider when you're, you know, moving around? Well, you, you do have to consider it. It works really well. We have a lot of redundancy. Um, we have um, two, two SIM cards that run in a dual modem that kind of, um, and we have the software that if, if one of them's not doing so well, it'll pull more for the other from the other. So you have that, that baseline and you're never really going to, unless something you know, dramatic happens, you're not losing signal. And then we also have Starlink as a backup to that. Um, but there are some places, we've been out about 13, 14 months now, and there's a, a couple campgrounds we stayed in where the internet was not as good, the, just the cell signal. I think we were too far from a tower. Some places Starlink work better than others. And so you do have to keep that um, when we're planning. We don't stay too far out from bigger cities so that we know, um, not bigger cities, just medium size that they're going to have cell towers. And uh, we can't go out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we could. Starlink would work, but Starlink isn't enough to run everything because you do have to upload and download. And sometimes Starlink's upload is just <laughs> so slow. 
Um, it, it is different than being in the house. I will say, you know, we had like the fastest Xfinity internet. And so never had to think about how long is this going to take to upload or download. Um, we're almost 80% like that here. I don't think about it on a daily basis, but every once in a while we have a problem. But I have, there's never been a time where I haven't been able to, to sit down and work because the internet wasn't working. So okay, that. well, that's the Gen Zers and the Millennials ticked off there. If they're ever considering going on an RV trip, there's internet. You'll have Netflix. You'll have TikTok. It's fine. Yeah. But I'm yep, wondering. We stream all the time. More... <laughs> I'm wondering if there's any more common misconceptions that you know there is around RVs, such as you know not being able to wash, not being able to cook, and all these types of things, or it's unsafe. I wonder if you could like debunk some of those kind of myths and misconceptions. Oh. Yeah, I can definitely debunk those. Okay, so we always say that we're our RV experience, we want to feel like we're living in a house, not living in an RV, but we still want to RV. So when we picked our rig, we made sure that it was what we wanted. So we have a big kitchen. Our kitchen's like like the third of the, of the RV in the back. We have a residential refrigerator. We have a dishwasher. We have a washer and dryer. I mean, we are not camping. We are not roughing it by any means. And so if you want all those, I won't call them luxuries, they're just things that you're used to that, that you like. If you want those RVing, you can have those. You just have to spend a little bit more money on, on your RV. Um, if you want a more rustic adventure, then you can do that too. There's um, there's no one way to RV. You can you can stay at high-end RV parks. You can stay at state parks. You can go out and boondock, as it's called, when you have no hookups whatsoever or dry camping. It's so the, the, the message is you can make it whatever you want, and there are endless amounts of possibilities. And um, I think the one thing I will say is if you're doing it with somebody, make sure you really, really like that person. Because um, you're going to be, uh, you know, 400 or less square feet. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. I mean, you could go outside, I guess. But um, we have a really good relationship. We get along great. We spend 24-7 together. We don't fight. But we've heard stories. So <laughs> it's not going to get better when you RV if you have problems now. <laughs> It'll just <Yeah>. get worse. <laughs> yeah. I'm also wondering, you know, obviously you say you've got all these kind of, you know, things that you say are like base standard living, such as a washer dryer and all that kind of stuff. But I'm wondering what are the other smaller ways you can make something that, you know, in most people's mind isn't home. How do you make it feel like home? Well, we have um, one. I, a couple of years ago, I started painting. Um, and so uh, the, our, my paintings are all over the rig. So it feels like home. And we have, you know, little chotskis i guess you could say things that we've gotten from our travels or sitting around like you would a normal home we have pillows on the couch we've made it as homey as we can and um in the bedroom it, you know all our rvs come with a mattress that's so so you know we put like a four inch memory foam topper on that we've got special bedding so it's very very comfortable very feels like a like like a home bed would feel so th those little touches and i think what really makes it feel like home is that you have everything that you would want in a home and for us we cook a lot matter of fact we have a we have a cooking channel on youtube um so we're putting out weekly cooking videos so a kitchen was huge for us and the kind of i mean not just any kitchen we had to have a kitchen that felt like we were in the house um, so we have that. So whatever your thing is that your your needs are, your specific needs, just find them and, and make sure that you provide for them. And you, you won't feel like, I don't feel like you would feel like you're missing anything. I think it's when you're like, oh, I really want this in my life and I don't have it. And that's going to gnaw at you. One of the big things for me was um, 
uh, my long hot showers that I like to take. Right. And so typically in RVs, you get just a standard little tiny, I think 10 or 12 gallon water heater. And I knew there was no way I'm taking a long shower with that. But there was an option for a tankless water heater, which it was it was an upgrade. Uh, but that was a that was a, a deal breaker for me. I had to have that because I knew that there's no way I'm going to spend years in this RV and not take long hot showers. So I have that, and that makes a big difference. It seems inconsequential, but whatever your thing is, make sure you satisfy it. Yeah, no, definitely. That's right. I mean, to be honest, when you make a decision like this, it's not because you're trying to like live a less of a lifestyle. You still want to live the same quality of lifestyle, but for whatever reasons you want to kind of do it on the move and you know the fact you've got the cooking channel and you're in an rv i'm assuming that the cooking channel is not all like this is rv cooking you know with victoria wolf i'm sure it's just like a regular cooking channel so if you've talked me through the process of why did you start the youtube channel what's on there obviously it's cooking stuff but you know what kind of things are you making over there anything special uh well everything is gluten and dairy free because that's what i am uh we started it about um about six eight well no about a year before we left out on the road um we have a history a gluten-free history uh, a few years ago we had a um, gluten-free uh commercial bakery uh where we were selling their grocery stores and restaurants and unfortunately it did not survive um so we wanted to take that desire to offer you know all that we have to the to the gluten-free community so we decided to start the YouTube channel and share recipes. Um, and then when we started the RV journey, um, we kind of added some RV lifestyle um, to that to that channel as well. Um, we do everything from, you know, gluten-free pizza to um, like chicken shawarma. And, and, you know, we do a lot of, I do a lot of Greek and Mediterranean because it's naturally gluten-free. Um, just whatever we're kind of feeling, we, we decide to make a video about. Um, we have I think 170 or more, almost 200 cooking videos on there. And they're, they're how-to videos. And on our website, you know, very detailed recipes. So, you, you know, it's kind of, it's not just, hey, look at me cook. And then you got to try and figure it out. It's, it's, it's all about instructing and, and helping people, you know, up their cooking game. And that's one of the reasons we had to be careful what kind of kitchen we got. Because we, you know, we, we, we're going to do, do some cooking and we had to, had, had to make sure there was a place to shoot the videos, you know, the, that angle. And uh, it all worked out really well. It's, it's a little different from shooting in the house, um, but not much. It's, it's very, very similar. Mm. And I'm wondering for you, you know, you've, you've moved out onto the road. You've been out there for just over a year and you've been kind of moving around, living your life as, as you know, as you do why why did you kind of want to do that aside from having a change of scenery what else was pushing you to be like yeah it's time for the rv as opposed to it's time to just move house to a different location that's that's a really good question i am well my husband we've been together a little over 10 years and in a previous life he full-time rv'd for like two years and when we got together obviously he told me about that and i was like oh my god that's something i've always wanted to do Hmm. now understand that I had never been in an RV ever before I said that. For some reason, I just knew in my gut, this is something I wanted to do. And I I think I also realized that I truly am a nomad at heart. I don't like staying in place too often, yet that's what I've done my entire life because I never thought that I could live a life that wasn't you know, staying, okay, five, seven, 10 years, time to move, different house, different apartment, whatever. I mean, that that's as nomadic as I was. I mean, I went from Florida to to Colorado, but you know, that was the only move there was. And so we, after the business closed and then COVID hit and well, we had to, you know, decide what we were doing. It's like, well, what's our next big dream, our next big plan. And 
we decided, you know, why not? We're let's do it now. Let's not wait till we're 70. You know, let's do it while we can, you know, physically still do it. And our, our son was graduating from high school. So it was like the perfect, perfect opportunity. And it, then I, you know, being out on the road, I, I realized that I, I am quite nomadic. I, I like my scenery to change a lot. That means a lot to me. And we've been thinking about, we say three to five years, we'll be out. So we're into our second year and kind of thinking about where we're going to land. And the, the thought of landing, I'm like, well, what if I get bored in six months? If I buy a house, what am I going to do? <laughs> so I'm def- definitely not ready to land yet because I can't see, I can't see it. You know, I don't, I don't find any joy in being in the same place. And I don't know if it'll be five years, three years or seven or 10 years. So we'll, I guess we'll know when we know. Yeah. I mean, there's probably someone out there listening to this that's thinking exactly the same thing you're saying, but they don't know how to take the leap. So I'm wondering for you, what what are the top recommendations you can give for someone who's looking to live like a, a nomadic lifestyle? Well, I think once you make that decision and you're sure that's what you want, we um, on, on YouTube, there's tons of channels um, dedicated to the RV lifestyle. We watched quite a few um, videos before we decided to do this journey. And so we got a really good idea of what, you know, some of the pitfalls, the good, the bad, the ugly. So if you've never RV'd for, you know, longer than maybe a weekend or ever, that'll give you some idea of what to expect. And I think it's really about visualization. If, if you can visualize your life in an RV and that and that's good and it makes you happy, then that would be something that would you could do. And then you just gotta, you just gotta do it. You gotta take that leap. I know when we were shopping for our, for our RV, for our rig, you know, we would sit in the living room or whatever, in whatever model we were in and try to visualize how our lives would go, you know, day by day. And then after we left that, I would, I would, you know, daydream about it because it's really important to see yourself living in the RV to know which RV to get for you. It's not like, oh, I like this and this is great. And if you can't see the functionality, it'll, it'll come back to haunt you. You buy it six months later, you're like, this RV's not working. You got to go buy another one. And we've seen that a lot. Um, and so the more that you can visualize and imagine yourself in the life, then the, the happier you'll be once you're in the life. Mm. And like, what are some of the, the challenges you've come across when you were just transitioning from being, you know, what I'd say a fixed home person to a constantly mobile home person? We, we know you had your kitchen woes where you wanted to have the right kitchen so you could continue filming your content as well as the hot showers. But what are the other things that, are, you know, things I wouldn't even be able to think of because I've never even considered this? Well, one of the hard things for for us, because my because my husband he works too. We both work, you know, basically full time every day. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is being in our these RV parks that we stay in, and everybody around you, almost everybody, unless you're in one that has a lot of other full timers like us, they're either on vacation or on holiday. And there's a good aspect about that because everybody's happy, having a good time, and you got you kind of get to join in that just by being here with them. Um, but the downside of that is everybody's out having a great time and you're sitting here working, you know, nine to five or whatever every day. And so that that can be very tempting um, and and hard and very easy to say, no, I'm just going to go out and have fun, too. So that, that's probably the downside of being somewhere different and being in a, you know, a vacation like environment all the time. Um, the other possible downside for me, it was a transition on, on traveling. 
um, during the first two or three months, we were we were moving like every two weeks, sometimes every week. And that that was just too unsettling for me, especially with my work schedule. Um, but as we settled into about we went down to three weeks and then we're at like about a month. And sometimes we stay even longer, like we're here in this location for two months over the summer. Um, that felt better for me. And I didn't feel so like, oh, we're going to move. We just got all set up and I got my routine and, you know, now we're going to move because there, there is a new routine as well. Cause I, I walk a lot. And, um, and so where am I going to walk? What's my route going to be? And it's like, sometimes we'll be in a campground. I'm like, oh, I love this route. I'd like to walk it every day. And then we move and then I got to find a new place to walk little things like that, that don't seem important. But if you rely on some, you know, routine, constant things in your life, and then they get moved, that can be very unsettling. So knowing, knowing what your, your trigger points are for that is, is really important. Sometimes you won't know till you get out on the road and then you're like, okay, well, when we plan, you know, where we're going to stay, we got to make sure we have, you know, this, this, and this, because these things are important to us. Mm. I was going to ask you actually, how do you maintain a sense of routine and stability? But it seems like you really answered that for me. It's just the idea yeah. of knowing what your kind of flow is, is are you going to be here for three weeks, four weeks? Okay. Four weeks feels good. Okay. Two months is pushing it to the, the edge of the limits. What's, what's the longest you spent in one place and why did you choose to stay there for so long? Um, well, that's a good question. Where was it? Well, um, unfortunately we spent, we spent six weeks in New Mexico, not too long ago. Cause my husband had a heart attack oh my and uh, we had to stay down there an extra two weeks. We were only going to be there a month. So I think six weeks was our record. Now that we're here outside of Detroit, um, we actually moved my mom and dad from Colorado to Michigan, um, because they needed to get out of the altitude. And so we plan on being here, um, two and a half months in this one site to help them get settled and everything. But I don't think we would ever do that again. Well, I won't, I, I said that now I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to change that. I think as our journey goes on, there might be some time where we, we become what they call snowbirds where we're, we're up in the North in the, in the, in the summer and then down in Florida in the, for the entire winter and the entire summer. So it, there might be a point where we're only in two places every year. Um, I think that's after we've kind of got tired of driving around. So, you know, all over the country, but, um, yeah, there are people who do this full time that move once a week. I don't know how they do that, but a lot of them are retired. So I thought, you know, maybe if I'm retired, I'd want to move every week or every two weeks. I'm I'm not sure I wouldn't know until I'm retired how that would be. I mean, that's the thing though, when you're an entrepreneur, I don't know if retiring ever really crosses your mind because it's like, you kind of, you love what you do and you want to keep doing it for as long as possible. You know, unless you have some kind of unfortunate health event or something like that, that stops you from working, you're always going to want to design something to some degree. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think my husband and I always say we're, we're, we're never going to really retire. There's always going to be something we do because that's just who we are. I couldn't imagine unless we took up, you know, a sport that totally consumed us or everything. And we were training every day for our sport. Um, I think we'll probably always work, um, to some degree, probably doing what we do now. We do some videos, do some design, you know, just, you know, maybe not just the same amount of work that we're doing now. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, you might go to the, the north in the winter and the south in the summer type, whatever way around it works. Where it's hot is where you want to be. Yeah. Why yeah. is that? Is that just because you prefer the sun? You're not really a winter person or is it actually better to RV in, you know, hotter climates or, you know, without snow on the ground, I guess? Uh, it, it is difficult to RV in cold weather because, you know, there are some RVs that are sold as four season RVs. And mm. 
No, I mean, they're, they're not completely sealed. In, in cold weather, it is very difficult to keep an RV warm. Um, you, you use a lot of propane to do it. I mean, can it be done? Yes, people do it. Do I want to do it? No, I don't. I don't, I don't want to be in my RV watching it snow outside when I'd rather be, you know, part of our living experience is our huge patio that we get to create at every site that we're at. We have a rug we put out, our chairs, we have awnings. And so that adds to the living space probably by, I don't know, 200 square, what, I don't know how many square feet it is. Anyways, a lot of square feet. And so in the winter, if you can't spend time outside, it really restricts your, your lifestyle. And so most RVers, we always joke that we're chasing 70 degrees. That That's how we move around the country because that's like one of the, the best temperatures to be able to enjoy the outside and the inside. So, but there are some people that love winter camping and winter RVing. I, we're just not one of those people. <laughs> mm. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, most people love the sun. I'm indifferent to it. Whatever weather's outside is a weather that I'll be happy with, you know, but that's, that's just me being weird. So I'm wondering for you, you have probably met way more people than most people ever do. Different types of people, different ages and different, you know, varying stages of their life type thing. I wonder if there's any kind of memorable moments or people that have stuck out to you that you met while RV and you're like, wow, I would have never met this person being, you know, cooped up in Colorado type thing or cooped up in Denver. Oh, yeah, definitely. Last year when we were in the same campground that we are now, um, and um, it's it's kind of like a weekend party campground, sort of. During the week, there's nobody here, and then everybody comes in for the weekend, a lot of locals. And last year, we were parked next to a former um, fire chief for the Detroit um, Fire Department. And he was such a character, and he took a liking to us, and he just entered, and, and, and they come here every year, um, tons of, of um, firefighters from the Detroit area, and um, he introduced us around. We had, we had such a blast. He, he was very amazing. And then um, we met, we were at an RV show in Tampa earlier this year, and we met this man, Skip, who says he watches this on YouTube and then my husband Rich and him were talking, found out that he's in a band and Rich learned to play bass uh, during COVID as a hobby. And so, you know, it all comes down to in November of this year, we're going back to the same area that we were in last year and we didn't know he was there. That's where his band is. And so Rich is going to get to go play a few numbers on stage at the Catfish Festival in November. Um, so that's going to be like super cool. It's like you, you really just don't know who you're going to meet out on the road. And um, yeah, we wouldn't have met any of these people if we stayed in Denver and we wouldn't have had these experiences. I, I went um, for my birthday last year. We were in South Carolina and what I wanted to do was go tour a kazoo factory, which was fun. And then the more fun was going out onto a shrimp boat. It was a shrimp boat tour. And that was fun in itself, but the most exciting thing, which I had no idea was going to be exciting and cathartic, was at the end when they had all the shrimp, they, they gave you the opportunity if you wanted to squeeze the heads off of all the shrimp, they had to do it on the boat, you could do that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that. So I'm squeezing all these heads off, throwing them up to the seagulls as they're grabbing them in the air. And it, as crazy an experience that was, it was probably one of my most favorite experiences in, in a year that of being out on the road. So, but you just never know what's gonna happen. So you're finding yourself living, you know, more higher quality of life out on the road because it's like you've got the experience, well, the ability to do all these experiences that, you know, realistically would have just never come your way. Yes, yes. And I think, and you'll appreciate this, one of the best experiences that we had uh, this year, we did it in January, we met another RVing couple called the Brazen Brits. They have a YouTube channel. They're living here in the States, but they're from Britain. 
and we ran into them and we were talking food. And I, we asked what their favorite British food that they miss is. And, you know, and they don't make it themselves, I, I believe. And Spotted Dick, which you can imagine, we had so many jokes about that, and Bangers and Mash. And so we were like, okay, and they were in Florida at the same time. They actually have a house there as well as they RB. And we we're like, we're going to make these two for you. And we want you to, you know, taste them, judge them, let us know. And so I made the Spotted Dick, and Rich, my husband, made the um, Bangers from scratch. Then we made mashed potatoes from scratch and this amazing onion gravy and we took it over there and served them and it was so much fun and i love british food if that is an example of british food i absolutely love it and i've got to make more i've got to find out about the beans for breakfast Uh, i've never understood this american people don't understand beans for breakfast but it's just part of the thing but i think in american people's minds they think we're eating this thing every day whereas you know a, a full english fry up is like a treat you have it like after a heavy night out or if you've got a long day ahead of you you know you get you know all the bits and bobs the egg the tomato the beans the bacon the sausage it's a very big meal if you were to eat that every day i i mean i'm sure there's people out there that do but if you were to eat that every day you would feel very sleepy very fast but the beans they're delicious they're amazing that's the best for me it's the best part I, I, I'm very intrigued. And I, I in many grocery stores in the British section, there's a can of Heinz beans. I don't know if those are authentic, if that's what everybody in Britain uses or they make their own, um, but I'm tempted to buy a can and, and check it out. But that breakfast sounds similar to an American breakfast where you know, you're doing everything. You're having hash browns and eggs and bacon and sausage. That doesn't happen very often. We all eat small things. Well, not all of us, but <laughs> most people eat small things for breakfast. So that that's good that you explained that that's the equivalent of a every once in a while big meal and yeah us americans probably have lots we have lots of preconceptions about british food that aren't good um there's a lot of weird things i'll give you that there's a lot of weird things jelly deals and things called cockles everything just sounds like a weird kind of sexual pun but there's nothing you can do about it 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 is exactly exactly (laughs) but i mean to be honest (laughs) <laughs> salad cream is delicious I, I i won't let you talk down on salad cream but no me, no I, I love i'm all about salad dressings and uh, because i'm gluten and dairy free i haven't bought that there's a i think it's heinz again uh ha, i can buy it here in the grocery store and i want to try it so bad it looked i looked at the ingredients and i think it's it's going to be really amazing yeah no most definitely go out there get yourself some beans and get yourself some salad cream don't mix them together but trust me heinz beans you can't go wrong that's like the best of the best a lot of people especially now with this cost of living crisis we're going through they're they're buying the cheapest beans possible but heinz beans they're absolutely delicious okay i'm gonna buy them i'm gonna make them yeah most definitely so for you living in an rv you've kind of made your space feel like home you've overcome all these obstacles you're meeting all these great people but there's still that part that you kind of mentioned earlier about you know me and my husband get along great and all that kind of stuff but how can you ensure that that's going to happen because you don't actually know until you're in that space and as much as you know you have your outdoor space and you have your indoor spaces and whatever you're still in a much more confined space how can you kind of manage that relationship how, what's the best way to be with you know whoever you are within the rv you know to live harmoniously oh. Well, I think there's no way to insure it. I mean, you don't know. And we, we've heard stories of people that go out on the road full time and they're off in six months because it just didn't work. And sometimes you just don't know. I think it, the, the best guess is that if, if you're leading kind of separate lives in your house where, you know, a- after dinner, you go one way, he goes the other or she or she goes the other way and you do your thing. And then you know, maybe you, you meet at you know, a bedtime to go to bed or, you know, and then 
one has a job, the other one has, you don't see each other very often. You don't spend a lot of time together. I, I would think that that's just a recipe for disaster for full-time RV living because there's just not enough places to go. You can't have your own room unless you happen to be somewhere where the weather is great and you get to be outside all the time. I, uh, but I think if you spend a lot of time together now, you do a lot of activities together, you enjoy each other's company, then you'll probably be fine. I mean, there's always times where things will come up and you just need some space. That's perfectly normal. And then you can just, you know, there's always a bedroom with a door on it. So there's always one room in almost every RV or a bathroom. I mean, but that's kind of small. But I, I think if you had to get, you know, need some space, it would be fine. But if you argue a lot to begin with, you know, the close quarters, the stress that, that RVing can bring sometimes will just exacerbate that. Um, when we were driving out here from Colorado to Michigan to move my parents, we, we had the rig in the truck and then we had a moving truck and another car. It was, we were moving a lot. And then on, on the rig, one of our rims broke. Um, it cracked and we'd had one crack two weeks before that. It's obviously a manufacturer's issue. But there was nothing we can do. You can't just go get a rim. These rims are hard to find. They have to be ordered. But we had to decide, are we going to get stranded halfway or are we going to make it to Michigan? So in the last day, 430 or 40 miles, every 30 miles, we had to stop and put air in a tire. Jeez. So that, you know, that, that's, that's kind of stressful. Mm. And, you know, we got the whole family stopping. You know, we got the moving truck and the car and everything. And, and we've had things like tire issues, other things break, you know, having a heart attack on the road. I mean, you... If you if you weather those things well in a house as a couple, you're going to be fine on the road. But if some of those things are challenging, even living in a house, I would say, no, just stay in the house. That's probably your best bet. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I mean, we spoke a lot about the unexpected challenges or, you know, bad things that can happen. And I want to kind of flip to the happier side, I guess. What are the unexpected joys or, you know, surprises of living in an RV that, you know, you just might not ever know about? Um, well, we had to purge, obviously, to go from 2,400 to the 400 square feet. And that process was very, very enjoyable for me. Um, I'm not really a pack rat kind of person. I don't, I didn't think I had a lot of stuff. I had more stuff than I needed for sure. But moving, but, you know, getting rid of all those things and living still, you know, maintaining for a year that, you know, I don't, I don't buy anything new unless I get rid of something old, that kind of theory. Um, has been really fulfilling. I, I like living a more minimalistic life. Um, I used to have a shoe collection of 150 shoes. Now I think I have three pairs of shoes I wear all the time. Um, I, you know, same with my clothes, same with my jewelry, just all those things. And um, I thought I was going to miss it on some level, but but I don't, and I don't think I will ever go back to having a lot of stuff. So that that's definitely something. I feel lighter. I feel more nimble there's that word again um and I, I feel more responsible to the planet because i don't have a lot of stuff and i'm you know not buying stuff um the other thing is is just the utter joy of being in different locations um every time we get somewhere new i have this moment after we're all set up and i just sit down and i just it's just pure joy to know that okay i'm in this new place it, it we're going to go explore and that that's one of the greatest things for me so it, there's a lot of joy for us we've had far more joy than we have problems because problems are just things that need you know solutions that's how we look at it um, sometimes they can be stress, stressful even the heart attack i mean it's all good it, it all worked out it was an experience and um but it's just very joyful this life for us hmm. 
and you know we, we spoke a bit in the beginning about your kind of career and now we've spoken about the RV and as a kind of like not I'd not tie the two together but to kind of bring it all kind of full circle I'm wondering you know okay your career and all the things you've done with your graphic design stuff and your RV and they take a lot of learning and you said you watched a whole bunch of YouTube channels to learn about your RV and I'm wondering how do you stay on top of your graphic design game because you mentioned you know you saw that Wix was coming and all those types of things and all those types of online design things and you got ahead so where do you do your best learning is it all on YouTube is it podcast books where are you learning it I don't actually learn much from YouTube. The RV stuff is the only YouTube videos I watch. I mean, every once in a while, if I need to learn something, um, a feature on a website, website building that I've never used before, I'll find something on YouTube and look at it. I just seem to see things online. And I, I, you know, I make assumptions on things I see online, where things are going. And I get it from my clients, too. Like, if I... You know, I have a lot of clients who are saying, well, I'm thinking about using Wix or I'm thinking about using Squarespace for for a website. I'm using Canva, you know, whatever. I I get a sense from that, too. But as far as learning um, graphic design skills, I think when I encounter something that I don't know how to do, I go out and figure out how to do it, even to this day. Like if it's like, okay, I want to take this part of the picture and do this with it, but, you know, or whatever it may be then I go figure out how to do it if I don't know how to do it. And it's, it's just a constant learning, which I'm always learning. I'm one of those people that wants to know how everything works. And and it's like, why? Why is that? I drive. We drive down the road. It's got to drive my husband crazy. And I'm reading billboards and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I wonder why they do that. Or I wonder what this is like here. I mean, constantly asking questions. So I'm, I'm just going to learn because I'm always asking. Yeah, that's called the entrepreneurial mind where you just ask why, 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 why. And, you know, that's the same as a as a child as, as much as it is an adult. You, you're always asking why because you just want to understand things. You want to learn things. So I'm wondering for you, a lot of my guests have been like, OK, I read this book or I listened to this podcast. But you're saying for you, it's just always trying things and then seeing how it goes type thing. There's no kind of like books involved or any kind of podcast you like listening to or anything like that. No, I used to, when I started my design business way, way back, um, I got as many books, every book I could find, because uh, that was my only way of, of getting information back then. We didn't have the internet and everything. And then as the internet became more prolific and now is, you know, basically a, a family member in all of our lives, um, I, don't, I don't read books as much. Um, sometimes I do if I really want to get some in-depth knowledge about something. I just really just go out on the internet, do a lot of searching and, and find my answers. I wish I had time for podcasts and I wish I had the patience. I'm not a very auditory person. Um, I like, I like video. I do like talking, but I, I'm not a good, I'm a good listener, but I, it's hard for me to listen to podcasts, even if I'm out walking. Um, so I guess most of my knowledge comes from, you know, searching the internet. <laughs> I was going to say, what's your favorite business book, but that could be many different things depending on what kind of mode you're in and what you're searching for, I guess. Exactly. Yes cool i mean do you have any kind of suggestions for the listener about things they can either read or search up or you know just things that they can use to grow their entrepreneurial brain or just grow themselves as a person um it it just depends where where your head is i say like if you're if you're fascinated with one aspect of your business go find as much information as you can about that aspect i i seem to do that rather than general business you know like to, to get a general business book or um, I will say that it's 
it's imperative to me that if I am, like, say, I want to know, you know, how to grow my business as fast as I can is a good example. I'll probably go get, if I'm in that mode, I'll go find information from 5, 10, 15 different websites or buy two or three books and read everybody's, you know, take on it and then pull out what I think will work for me as a person and a business. And I do that when I, when I create recipes too. It's like, if I want to make, you know, like, like the beans recipe that I'm going to eventually make, I'm going to go find five, six, seven of them, read every one of them, see what makes sense to me and then come up with my own recipe. And I think that that's just me as a person. I don't, I don't take one person's or one, you know, expert's take on what I should do. It has to work for for me and and it has to resonate, I guess. And it's kind of a conglomerate of information. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, to me, it seems like Victoria, that you're living, you know, the dream almost. You're on the road, traveling, you've got your own business. So you, you know, you're working on your own time, you're living on your own terms, that type of thing. But I'm wondering out of all this kind of concoction of things that you've got in your life, what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? Oh, that's a really good question because I um, I find lots of joy. I have joy from every time I do a book cover or work with an author. I have joy every time I do a video, um, every time I create a video. I have joy every time I walk outside. Right now we're in, in 20, 27 shades of green is how we describe Michigan. It's like every tree has 27 shades of green. I absolutely love trees and love green. So every time I look out the window, I feel joy. And um, there's been some places this year, last year that I was, that I didn't find as much joy looking out the window, but for the most part I did. It's just, one of the, one of the main things that, that Rich and I tried to do when we set out on this lifestyle is to be more intentional every single day, because we weren't as intentional as we wanted to be. And so we've slowed down. We don't say, I can't wait to do this. We say, you know, I'm looking forward to doing this because we want to live in the moment, which we both had trouble living in the moment. And so now, we live in the moment more. And so I guess so many things bring me joy because I actually am aware of those things, you know, at every moment. So everything brings me joy. Where can the people find you online? Um, lots of different places. Um, if you're interested in our RV and cooking content, that would be um, gfexplorers.com. The G and the F stand for gluten-free or whatever you want it to stand for. Um, for the um, for the, the graphic design business is wolfdesignandmarketing.com. And if you're interested in my art, because why not, is victoriawolfart.com. Thank you for listening to People Explained new episodes come out every monday we would appreciate it if you gave us a review on apple podcasts and shared this episode with a friend 